Chapter Sixteen of France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. The City of Silk. I am in Lyon, the silk center of Europe, where for more than four centuries the finest stuffs for the bells of all nations have been turned out by the French. This city makes about one hundred and twenty million dollars worth of silks and silk goods every year and its satins and velvets go all over the world. Lyon is situated in the rich valley of the Rhone, five hours south of Paris. It lies at the confluence of that river and this Saône. On the other side of the Saône are the heights of Fourvières, with a great tower upon them up which we shall climb for the view. We walk through the town, passing the site of a palace in which the most cruel of the Roman emperors, Claudius and Caligula, were born. We go over one of the sewn bridges and take a cable railroad up the heights to the foot of the tower. Another elevator takes us to the top, where we are three hundred feet above the river and high over the city. Behind us are the golden mountains of Lyon, and beyond them, across a valley filled with gardens and trees, are the mighty Alps, their snowy peaks forming a ragged silver mass against the clouds. The day is clear, and we can see the white cap of Mont Blanc a hundred miles away. Turn about now and look down into the valley. There is the Rhone, fresh from its glacier cradle, high in the Alps, and nearer still, flowing almost at our feet, is the Saône, winding about through the town, side by side with its twin sister. Between the two is the greater part of Lyon, and as we look we see the silvery streams girdling the municipal maiden in her silken clothes before they go winding on together to the sea. We are in the heart of one of the oldest parts of Europe, and on the site of one of the most famous cities of France. This Rhone Valley was a trade route in the days of Julius Caesar, and in the Middle Ages great fairs were held here, to which merchants from Amsterdam to Venice came to buy and sell. Six hundred years before Christ was born, the Gauls had a town on this site, and at the time Jesus lived, there was a Roman city here. On this very hill, one Roman emperor caused 20,000 Christians to be massacred, while in the days of the French Revolution, the tribunal, finding that the guillotine would not kill the Lyon aristocrats fast enough, tied them together with ropes in rows of 60 and mowed them down by wholesale with grapeshot. The Lyon of today, however, is a great manufacturing center with almost as many people as Pittsburgh. Standing here on the tower, we can see the smokestacks of its car shops, tanneries, and chemical works, and there across the valley, on the other side, is the famous Croix Russe, the hill where the silk makers live, where the shining, costly patterns of generations have been woven, and where some of the most beautiful fabrics of the world are produced. The hill looks but little like a manufacturing center. It has no vast brick buildings, walled with windows, such as one sees in the factory towns of our country. It has no smokestacks pouring volumes of black into the clouds, and it looks more like a residential section than an industrial one. Still, Lyon has hundreds of silk factories, and most of them are situated upon that hill. Suppose we visit it. We descend to the Saône, cross the bridge, and take the trolley car through the city to the cable station at the foot of the Croix Russe. Entering a boxcar where a score of silk workers are standing, in a moment we find ourselves riding to the top of the hill. A few steps from the station above, 
take us into the heart of the silk industry of Lyon. We can tell it by the click-click-click, which is heard on every street and in every hallway. The houses are lean, five-story structures built along alley-like streets with narrow entrance doors. They look like tenement buildings and are indeed little more than great beehives filled with laborers and every cell in them is a small factory. We enter one of the older buildings and walk up the narrow stone stairs. As we mount from story to story, we hear the clicking going steadily on. The building is rudely constructed and without modern conveniences. We knock at a door, pounding loudly to overcome the noise of the weaving. A shirt-sleeved Frenchman with a cap on his head opens the door and asks us to enter. He has just left his loom, but at our request he goes to work again. The loom is old-fashioned and he works it with his feet, throwing the shuttle from one side to the other through the threads by hand. He is making a pattern of dress goods which may eventually enhance the beauty of an American belle at a White House reception. Going on, we enter room after room. Each has one or more looms with bare-armed and bare-headed men and women turning out all kinds of silk. Though the wages are four times what they were in pre-war days, we should consider them low. Some of the finest silk and velvet weaving in Lyon is done on the old-fashioned hand looms. Even where electrically run looms are used, much of the weaving is a house industry. Sometimes several weavers will club together in one room, each having his own loom and paying a low rate for the electric current. This is furnished so cheaply that a man gets what he wants at a few cents a day and pays for his loom in installments. Moreover, by this plan, he can weave in the same room in which his father and his grandfather worked before him. I visited this afternoon the biggest silk mill in France. The workers are bare-armed, bare-headed girls, well-dressed, and in many cases good-looking. They are the daughters of the men who work on the house looms and are the descendants of many generations of silk weavers. The mill is like a great cotton factory, save that much brighter colors are used. In the reeling room, the threads are of all the hues of the rainbow, and the thousands of spools make a maze of brilliant tints and shades. I was interested in the velvet works. The finest of such goods are made by home workers, although power looms are generally used. Much of the hand-woven velvet made in Lyon is brocaded, and that in most beautiful patterns. Some of the silk and velvet curtains turned out bring as much as $800 a pair. I saw velvets today which sell for $70 a yard and was shown curtains which require four months to weave. The velvet is woven upon wires. When the weaving is finished, the threads are cut through to the wires with a knife and the wires are taken out. As each line of looped threads must be cut separately, a slip of the knife would ruin the cloth. I was shown specimens of furniture coverings made at a cost of $42 a yard. Think of paying $42 for a chair seat, and this is what the stuff costs in France. The price will be doubled by the time it gets into one of the Fifth Avenue palaces and is fitted on its luxurious furniture. Every time one sits down upon it, he will cover a yard of it. It would make me uncomfortable to sit down on $84 at one time. The royal families of Europe were the principal consumers of these expensive hand-woven materials, and now that royalty is out of fashion, the demand has greatly diminished. I have gone through some of the largest of the Lyon silk stores. They are to be found in buildings not unlike the factories. Entering by an unpretentious stairway to the second 
or third floor you first find a door with a little brass sign marked with the name of the merchant you come into large rooms with long counters running through them there is no silk on view for the goods are stored away in cases or drawers until brought out for the customers the rooms are walled with mirrors in order that the colors may be shown by reflected as well as by direct light some of the oldest patterns are the most beautiful and these are repeated from generation to generation but new ones are continually being designed the french are noted for their creative artistic ability and they have schools here at lyon where designing is taught some of the factories make pictures in silk both for decoration and for wall covering lyon is doing all it can to foster its silk industry it has its technical schools which teach all branches of silk manufacture young men come here from all parts of the world to study how to make silk and many work in the mills for that purpose there is one school which charges from one hundred and sixty to two hundred and eighty dollars a year for tuition the lower sum is the charge for frenchmen and the higher that for foreigners in this school the best of modern silk weaving machinery is used and a great part of it bears the mark of american manufacturers an american sewing machine stitches the pattern cards together and american methods of weaving are employed all kinds of silks velvets and plain and figured goods are made here under the superintendence of the most skilled workmen the boys do the work themselves with the professional silk men as overseers i visited the lyon municipal silk school on the croix russe upon the payment of a small sum any boy of lyon who has reached the age of fifteen can enter and learn all about silk weaving designing and pattern making the course of day study is ten months and there is in addition a night school in which a three-year course is offered every boy has to keep a diary of his work with the patterns of the silks he has made and copies of his designs the school gives instruction in the breeding of silkworms as well as in all kinds of weaving and designing the professor in charge a kind-looking old frenchman wearing a skull cap and rough clothes took me through one department after another he introduced me to some of the students and had them work at the looms before my eyes it was not until the fifteenth century that much silk weaving was done in france before that time the best of the silks came from italy lyon however was even then a great fair city and many italian silks were brought there for sale louis the eleventh imported italian weavers and about forty years after the discovery of america francis i induced many of them to settle at lyon by guaranteeing them exemption from taxation free lodgings and the right to carry swords as well as immunity from imprisonment for debt he brought silk weavers from genoa florence lucca and venice and thus founded this business which has done much to make france rich the industry prospered until the persecution of the huguenots drove more than three hundred thousand of the most skillful of the french artisans out of the country and in a few years reduced the number of looms from forty thousand to ten thousand the protestant weavers escaped to england germany and switzerland and started the silk manufacture of those countries silk is no longer the dress of the rich and fashionable exclusively a greater proportion of the people of the united states wear silk than do those of any other country and year by year the demand for it grows steadily all over the world in other countries and especially in the united states every effort has been made to obtain more efficient quantity production 
at lower cost but at lyon the mills have been slow to adopt the improved methods during and immediately after the world war when german competition hardly existed the french failed to make the most of their opportunity to capture new markets the manufacturers are intensely individualistic and dislike to combine they seem each to prefer to keep up their own standards of high quality rather than get together to turn out cheaper grades in quantity production the beautiful silk from the german mills at krefeld and the fine silks of milan in italy have won away some of the old customers of lyon the italians are rapidly regaining the place they held in the middle ages among the chief silk manufacturing peoples of the world it used to be that most of the raw silk brought from china came to marseilles a large part of it now goes to genoa and other italian ports and the output of italian silk goods has grown so rapidly that milan is already second only to lyon as the silk center of europe and bids fair to outstrip the french metropolis the united states is now the leading silk making country of the world in the last few years the value of the silk produced in our mills has increased by nearly 200%. At one time, we annually contributed about $30 million to the Lyon silk weavers. Now we make almost all the silk we consume, besides exporting millions of dollars worth annually. The French claim that the falling off in their trade is due to our protective tariff, which has built up the silk industry of Patterson and other American cities. In these places, the silk is made in large mills, and the cost is so reduced by up-to-date labor-saving machinery and by proper organization that American commercial travelers can now sell American silks in Europe. Some of the French manufacturers have already removed their plants to the United States, and others have remodeled their mills on the American plan. End of chapter 16